Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the new episode of Real World Education Podcast. Our mission here is to challenge and change the education system using an inside-out approach, and we hope that you become a better leader and a producer rather than just a student or an employee. Our aim here is to interview industry experts and leaders each week with the hope that you can come to the realization that life is so much more than what is being currently taught to us by the society and the education system and we hope that this podcast provides you with inspiration with motivation and actionable insights so that you too can not only challenge and change the status quo but also create your own definition of success hi there and welcome to the show today we are chatting with david allen david is widely recognized as the world's leading expert on organizational and personal productivity he is also known for his time management method known as getting things done david's pioneering research and coaching to ceos and corporate managers of some of the america's most prestigious companies has earned him forbes recognition as one of the top 5 executive coaches in the us so without further ado let's begin the interview with david However, before we sort of get into the interview, I must confess something. I made the gross mistake of forgetting to record and as a result missed out on one of his answers to my question. I asked David the following question. You know, especially for a man who loves not wasting time and energy unnecessarily, you surely did have a lot of jobs in the early days of your career until you found out your true calling in consulting. So I wanted to know the thought process behind having so many jobs was it for experience or of wanting to make your passion a profession to which his response was quite simple actually the reason why he had so many jobs is because he didn't find what he was passionate about so as a result he experimented a lot uh, with the various jobs he finally found out his true calling in coaching others on how to manage their time and get things done and he has never looked back ever since now i apologize for my mistake and i assure you this won't happen again stretching because mm-hmm. you know a, a tight muscle is a slow one true True, true, true. So you know, it's interesting you talk about mindfulness in your videos because I had Mark Metry on the uh, show, and I was telling him how we as individuals were in this constant loop. It's like a vicious cycle. Because uh, I was just sitting on my desk trying to get stuff done, trying to get things done, and something pops up, and then I try because I've been meditating for I think about a year now, and uh, then so I realized that I sort of let it go. But then I think a minute later, if not that, you know, another thing comes up. but only when you're meditating can you realize that and you know be present but if you don't you know you're just you're not fully there and as a result your productivity obviously will suffer sure and a lot of the mindfulness and meditative training is about in a sense uh training yourself to focus your attention i'm just too lazy to spend a lot of time trying to train myself to do that if i need cat food mm-hmm. you know i don't want cat food to pop into my head more than once So True. you don't stop everything and go buy cat food. You just write it on a post-it or a list of things to buy at the store and then you're done. Cat mm-hmm. food doesn't pop into your head again. But so your mind actually doesn't have one. If it did, it would only remind you of stuff when you could actually do something about it. True. I, I mean, have a question very ba- Sorry, go ahead, sir. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. 
Uh, I was so, just going to say, if you have <laughs> if you have a flashlight with dead batteries in it, guess where your mind tends to remind you you need batteries at the dead ones. Yeah. If your brain had any mind, any mind at all, it wouldn't bother you with dead batteries. About batteries, it would bother you where at the store when you pass the right side live ones. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't do that. True. The mind did not evolve to remember, remind, prioritize, or manage relationships with with more than four things. As soon as you have more than four things going on in your head, you're going to be suboptimal in terms of your focus, your attention, mm -hmm. your performance. They've now proven that. I discovered mm -hmm. that experientially, you know, 35 years ago. That's mm -hmm. why I keep nothing in my in my head, haven't mm -hmm. for 30 years. Uh, but now mm -hmm. the cognitive scientists have basically validated that mm -hmm. that's true and why that's true. Yeah. So this is something you mentioned in quite a lot of your videos as well, that, you know, your mind isn't uh, meant to create, it's, it's meant to create ideas and not sort of hold them. So Correct. I think, uh, wh so what would happen if we were to sort of plan a day mentally? Plan a day mentally? Well, there's nothing wrong with that, as long as you're willing to change that on a moment's notice when things change and things happen you didn't expect. Mm -hmm. True. So, Nothing. You're planning all the time. You can't stop. You're planning right now. You're planning mm -hmm. what to say. You're planning, you know, what you're going to do with this podcast. You're, 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 you're we're, we're all planning all the time. That's mm -hmm. why I talk about the natural planning model, which is what we, you know, kind of do on a, on a basic level all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, but in terms of planning and structure, I plan as little as I can get by with. Mm -hmm. I happen to like to live spontaneously and just follow my intuitive hunches and do what I feel like doing. I just found that it's a lot easier to do that if I've got structured, you know, a systematic way to keep track of the commitments that are not complete yet. True. Sure. Because they now know the way your brain, if you make a commitment with yourself, I need cat food or I need a vice president of finance or I need to rewrite my business plan or I need, now need to set up an office at home because I have to work from home. Mm -hmm. You know, if you try to keep that, any of those become commitments with yourself. A lot of them include other people. Oh, you told your partner you would, or you told your kids you would, or whatever. And all of those, there's a part of your consciousness that remembers every one of them. Mm -hmm. Not only does it remember it, if your head is the only place you're holding, keeping track of it, it keeps spinning in there. And they'll wake you up at three o'clock in the morning about any of that stuff when you can't do anything about it. Uh, true. That is true. That's amazing advice as well. So the I think the gist of it is just to keep, uh, you know, write things. And that's where sort of GTD comes into the picture because it helps you sort of uh, organize your day. And as a result, you end up becoming more productive. Now, well, it helps you organize your life life, and, and allow your day to be as flexible as you need it to be. <clears throat> so, you know, I don't rewrite lists. Mm -hmm. if, if it has to be done today, it's on the calendar. Mm -hmm. If it has to be done just as soon as I can do it, it's on my other lists that don't get rewritten. They're just available as my inventory of things to pick from. Mm -hmm. So, true. You know, yeah, I keep track of it. You, you, planning, I'd say, well, okay, I guess. What it is is defining what my agreements are and defining what the work is. Uh, but then, you know, I don't plan how to spend my time unless I have to. Mm -hmm. True. Uh, now, before we sort of get into the specifics of uh, getting things done, the book you've written, I have a question. You know, uh, I kind of believe in the saying which goes with Alcohol Anonymous, like anything will work if you work it, right? Uh, but there was an article on Wired, and they mentioned that the system, the GTD system, the methodology can be difficult, and they can, they also kind of 
almost accused you of sort of going overboard with say elaborate schemes and um, you know, which can be difficult to implement sometimes, according to them. So let's say someone is listening to this podcast and they decide to pick up your book and they face a similar sort of issue. So what would your advice to them be? Oh, just do one thing at a time. Just start simply. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't define a system. I designed a systematic approach. Mm -hmm. That's why we have nine-year-olds that do it and we have CEOs that do it. And they have very different content, but mm -hmm. their approach is the same. Both people have to capture what has their attention. Both people have to clarify exactly what those things mean and what they're going to do about them, if anything. They need to define do what done means and what doing looks like. Mm -hmm. They need to organize the results so they can't finish them in the moment they think of it. They need to then look at that inventory on some consistent basis and review it mm -hmm. so that then they make comfortable choices about how to engage. If you say that's too much work, I'd say, well, <laughs> try to not do that. Sure. You can't. That's like saying gravity is too complex. No, gravity is. You just work with it. Mm -hmm. So the reason people, you know, might quote criticize it is just simply because they don't work it. Yeah. So I mean, and then you know, it's like okay. And, and by the way, I, I don't care. I do because I wouldn't teach this stuff if I didn't know it was valuable stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, for the people who are interested in doing it. So uh, yeah, but you know, I'm not a. I'm not proselytizing that. If, you, if you'd like to keep stuff in your head, be my guest. Just don't shoot the messenger here. It sub-optimizes your ability to focus and be relaxed. Sure. So don't, don't, don't just listen to me. Read the you know five or 10 cognitive science books that have been written in the last 10 years mm -hmm. about that. It's really, it's really just mechanical, kind of like gravity. It's, it's subtle, but mm -hmm. it is just a mechanical process. Yeah, I think people struggle with sometimes looking at the bigger picture. So they sort of uh, they have a fear of putting the upfront cost in order to ensure that, you know, the long term is sort of simplified a bit. So with GTD, sure. even though, you know, the implementation might take a bit of a time until you get used to it and you become creative enough to start, you know, implementing it how it suits you rather than what it says in the book. I, I'm, I'm sure that would take a lot of time. But but when you've done that, when you've reached that level, can you imagine the impact that, that this would have on your life? Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Transformational. I just have legions of testimonials about that. And you're right. It does take a while. As simple as the process is of capturing, clarifying, organizing, and reviewing your stuff, uh, That everybody does that to some degree. If you even manage a calendar or an agenda, you're already doing it. You already yeah. said your head can't do it. Right. You've already built some part of an external brain, mm -hmm. but try to intellectually justify. And you're in India. I love the Indians. You, you try to intellectually challenge everything. <laughs> you're, you're the great questioners. You know, I understand. Mm -hmm. But try to justify halfway in between. Either your head's the place to hold track of your commitments or it's not. Sure. Right. It, and the problem is, is most people have sort of half and half. Mm -hmm. You got some things out on a list and some things on your calendar and a whole lot of stuff banging around in your head. And frankly, you don't trust either one. Yeah. True, true, true. And, uh, you know, that would actually simplify so many things. If you can, uh, even though it will take time, just start reading the book. And I'm sure this will help a lot of people. So I'm excited. Well, it, yeah. Actually, listen, people say, how long does it take to get value out of this? I say, mm -hmm. well, how long would it take you to take a pen and paper right now and write down the 10 things that are most on your mind? Mm 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I need cat food. Oh, I need to handle this. My tooth hurts. I need, oh, I got to deal with that. I need to hire this. Oh, I need to go buy it. You're right. Just write down those top 10 things and then decide what the very next action step is you would need to take on each one of those mm-hmm. if you were going to move that forward and write those down. See how different you feel. So it'll take you about two minutes to get to find the value of what mm-hmm. this is about. Mm-hmm. This is once you catch that, it's like, why stop? Mm-hmm. Why don't you do that with everything you have your attention on? And that'll may take you a couple of days and a couple of years to make it a habit. True. I mean, you, in one of your quotes, you mentioned that, you know, you can only achieve nirvana through your habits and those have to be created in a very methodology, a method in a very accurate manner. And you have to focus, you have to be very specific with uh, what habits you're implementing. So I guess this is the same thing with, uh, you can write 10 things down on a paper and you will feel a lot better than you used to. But how long are you going to sustain that? That's the question. And that's why you have the book, which can walk you through the entire framework and a step-by-step instruction on how to do it. Yeah. And that's why we published last year, we published the Getting Things Done Workbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's in English and a couple of other languages. I'm not sure if it's available in India yet, but wherever you buy English books, I'm sure they you can get it. We mm-hmm. did that because people said, gee, David, you need to simplify this so it's a little easier for people to engage. And mm-hmm. it basically gives you the 10 basic moves that you need to do to sort of get into the system and get going with it. So I understand the book was not written as a training tool. It was written as a manual to get 25 years of my career out of my head and get it in case I got wrong up there. And mm-hmm. it took me that long, Rajni, to, to discover what I discovered and that it was unique and nobody else seemed to have come up with it mm-hmm. and that it was bulletproof. Sure. By that time, I'd spent literally thousands of hours, you know, one-on-one with some of the busiest people in the world implementing this mm-hmm. and training hundreds of thousands of people in, in, you know, companies all over the world. So by that point, I was pretty confident nobody could punch a hole in this. Mm-hmm. To your point, people complain because it involves habits that you have to build. But come on, I'm trying to learn Dutch. Talk about habits I have to build. Hmm, <laughs> tough. <laughs> try to learn the violin. Try to learn to cook spaghetti. Try to try to be a, learn to be a parent. Mm-hmm. It, it, somebody tell me any of that. Mm-hmm. You don't get immediately. Just learning to drive a car. Yeah. Goodness. You got to start with the basics and you need a manual. You need to do this. And then at some point, you'll be customized how you drive the car, what kind of car you drive for sure. Mm-hmm. But it takes as long as it takes. True. Uh, it's worth the effort. And that's what I want everyone to remember that implementing all this is, you know, worth the effort. So, you know, let's talk about getting things done. In uh, the book, in one of your interviews, you mentioned that, you know, getting things done as a methodology didn't sort of come to you all of a sudden. You know, it wasn't like an eureka moment where you just figured, figured it all out. But rather, it was a bunch of smaller insights and over, you know, as you said, 25 years working with thousands of individuals. So can you walk us through the process of how did you come up with GTD as a proper methodology? Sure. Well, when I started my consulting practice, I was hungry for models that would work. If it wasn't clear how I could help a client, uh, that would be nice to be able to have a model to pull out of my pocket and say, okay, well, let let me walk you through this model Mm -hmm. because I know the model itself would work or would certainly bring improvement, you know, to your condition and your situation. So I got hungry for those kinds of models for myself too. Mm-hmm. And again, because I came from a background of clear space through my meditative and spiritual and martial arts practices, yeah, I wanted to be able to stay clear myself as my life was getting more complex. So I found a couple of mentors, one really great mentor who had spent 25 years in executive 
consulting and organizational change, who had come up with a couple of techniques that basically he had found was necessary for an organization to clean up its old open loops and all of its old business. So uh, that's where he said, David, let me let me teach you this. So he sat me down and said, okay, just take a big stack of paper and everything that pops into your head, write it down, one per piece of paper, little, big, personal, professional, doesn't matter. Empty out your mind, in other words. Mm-hmm. So I did that and went, wow, that's kind of interesting. Big pile of, you know, big pile of paper, lots of notes on it. And he said, okay, take them one at a time and then pick it up and say, okay, what's the very next action you need to take about it? So getting your head empty, emptied in terms of things that have your attention mm-hmm. and making a next action decision, as you probably know, is really core element of what then became GTD over the years. But I learned that from Dean and I spent a couple of years working with him and, you know, in organizational change consulting programs and, and projects that we were involved in. Mm-hmm. And I watched how powerful just that first part of the process was. So that became kind of integral to what I was doing. And I sort of then added on pieces to that. Uh, as you say, you know, long string of epiphanets, as I say. Yeah. And then, you know, one day a head of human resources in a big corporation saw what I was doing and what it produced because I did it for myself first. I turned around and used the techniques with my clients and it produced exactly the same result. More mm-hmm. clarity, more control, more focus, more meaning, more space to focus on the meaningful stuff. You know, less distraction, less stress. And so he saw this, he said, wow, our whole company needs that or our whole culture could use that. Can you design some sort of a training uh, process around that so you can reach a lot of people with this methodology, not just one-on-one? Mm. So I did and it worked, it was quite successful. And that was Lockheed 1983-84. We did a pilot program for a thousand executives and managers and supervisors. Mm-hmm. And that found I found myself thrust into the corporate training world. It could have fooled me. You know, but then that that's really what gave me the start of okay. Now let me see if I can get more specific and objective about what this methodology is. And you know, that was then, you know, kind of how that all got developed, you know, mm-hmm. over time. And it hasn't it hasn't changed very much. I I wrote, you know, the first edition took me four years really to write to get on the shelf from 1997 to 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I started this practice back in 1982, uh, and so, and then the methodology by that point was pretty stable. You know, didn't change my system much or whatever. But then, uh, 15 years later, I said, you know, uh, the audience has changed, not the methodology. You know, when I wrote the first edition of the book was really targeted for the hot fast track professional or the executive because they were the people hungriest for it and, and needed it the most. They were being hit with the tsunami of email and quick organizational change and things like that, where they had to step up to the plate mm-hmm. you know, in brand new ways. Uh, what happened in the next 15 years is like instead of 10 percent of the organization needed this, 95 percent of the organization needed that because it was flatter organizations. People didn't have time to hold employees hands they didn't they the structure was constantly changing uh and so you know most of the people in the organization were being tasked to sort of manage themselves and to be their own executive as opposed to being told what to do all the time Mm -hmm. and that was a big change was just the audience i knew even when i wrote the first edition that this worked for kids it worked for students it worked for stay-at-home dads it worked for physicians worked for anybody who applies anybody has a busy life you know, and gets clearer in their head is going to make it work better and feel better. Um, so, but, you know, then the next edition of the book, which I published in 2015, just has a little more 
common ordinary person language as opposed to sort of a business kind of focus that the first book had so that's a, a very short version of a very long story yeah because <laughs> yeah. yeah. you know it, the transition from organizational to personal productivity was very interesting because in the book you often mention uh, the term projects uh, and uh, so it kind of gives it a business vibe. So, but what what I want to know is uh, why you call them projects. Uh, and uh, for those who don't, can you sort of explain why you refer to everything as a project? Well, you can call it whatever you want. It's anything you can't finish with one action that you'll finish within the year. Mm -hmm. You can call it whatever you want. Call it month. Call it bada. Call it na 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 na. Call it. I don't care what you want. Call it. Mm -hmm. Hey, some outcome you're committed to finish. It's just project is the closest word. Believe me, we've, we've looked all over to see if there's any better word that would describe what that is. Mm -hmm. And you're right. A lot of people have projects sort of wired up with the, the business planning, you know, uh, big project kind of stuff like that. But, you know, my mission is to create a world where there are no problems, only projects. You got mm -hmm. a tooth that aches, you got a project. True. Right? Assuming you want to fix it or look into whether it can be fixed. Mm -hmm. You know, you've, you've got, got to work from home now. You've got a project. Yeah. Yeah. Step that up. Get that onto cruise control. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to finish that with one action. Mm -hmm. Right. So anything that, that you're going to need to keep track of, mm -hmm. it's, just any kind of, it's just any kind of a goal or an outcome that you just can't finish in one sitting. You're going to have to call it whatever you want, but you need to keep track of that if you want to have stress-free productivity. Mm -hmm. No, that's interesting. That's very interesting. I was curious to see, uh, I think you mentioned this in the uh, past interviews, but I just wanted to hear it from you. So anything that is uh, requires more than one action, uh, that you can call it project or you can call it whatever you want, but that's what that is. It's not you know, necessarily to do with business in general. Uh, so when well, it does with business too. Business has mm -hmm. lots of those. Yeah. You know, I got to hire this person. I've got to restructure my filing system. I've got to, we've got to implement, you know, uh, Microsoft 365 now instead of what we were using before. You know, oh, I got to hire this person or, wow, they just changed my department. I need to get this under cruise control. I've got a new boss. I need to handle that and make sure that he or she and I are singing off the same song sheet. Those are all projects. True. Right? True. So with the GDD, say over 2 million people, you know, they have been introduced to the concept through your books, seminars, and consulting. Now, getting things done, and I quote from your website, is like a personal productivity methodology. And that sort of redefines how we approach life and work. Uh, in your book, uh, this was under part one, and the title was The Art of Getting Things Done. You refer to getting things done, or GTD, as a new practice for a new reality. So in your own words, can you explain what a GTD really is? It's just a set of, uh, of best practices about how you surf on top of the world and get rid of the distractions that you have and get them done with less effort. Mm -hmm. And if anybody comes up with an easier, better way to do it than what I wrote about, please tell me. I'll put it in the next book. <laughs> right. But first of all, you know, it's very simply mm -hmm. whatever has your attention, you need to capture that. Mm -hmm. Things have your attention because you're not yet appropriately engaged with them. The mm -hmm. reason cat food pops into your head is because you got some commitment about your cat. <laughs> and they don't have food, yeah, right, or don't have enough food. If that thought pops into your head twice, you're inappropriately engaged with your cat. You're not keeping <laughs> up with your own commitment. No, I'm, it's funny. I mean, one of the counterintuitive things, uh, Rajdeep, about 
GTD is that you need to be as rigorous about the minor stuff in your life as the major stuff in your life. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not, the minor stuff will take up more room than it deserves and start to suck wind out of the sails of your bigger things. Mm-hmm. You know, so so you need to be equally accountable for all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, cat food should not pop into your head more than once and take up any more room than it deserves. True. And either get rid of the cat or handle that, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I think, uh, you know, uh, the, with the major stuff, it's easier to justify it at coming into your head. But with minor stuff, because, you know, it is minor. So when it comes into your head, it, it it's like a mosquito. It's small, but it just keeps nibbing at you over and over and over again. Sure. True. Yeah. So, there, you know, there I, are... I, who was it? I think I, I think the Dalai Lama said, mm-hmm. if you don't think small things make a difference, <laughs> try to go to sleep <laughs> with a mosquito in your room. Exactly. Right. Exactly the point. <laughs> Hi there, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of Real World Education Podcast. For part two, tune in this Friday. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts as that's the best way to support us. If you think that this can help your loved ones, please don't be shy and just share it with them as word of mouth is another great way to support us. Follow me on LinkedIn by simply searching for my name, Rajdeep Singh. I'm doing a 52-week challenge where I'm going to be posting a new video each week. You can also follow me on Instagram at rajdeep.1997 or on Spotify by searching for my name. Until next time, this is your host, Rajdeep Singh, signing off.